1: Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is the Week Five Recap. I'm your host, Alex. I got my bros, Holt Smash and Mr. JB Brooks on the line, live from Destin, Florida. Holt Smash, how's Destin?
2: Man, Destin, super chill, laid back, um, a lot of good food here. Spent all day on the beach today, um, shut off the guns a little bit. And um, had a couple drinks and then went out to eat, had some steaks. I was staying at night. Did you show any ladies which way the weight room was? Uh, no, I just asked, I would ask them usually. I would just walk, like, hey, do you know where the weight room is? And then I'm over here and then I flex and like, point. I'm doing, I'm doing it. You can't see it over podcasts, but I am doing it in person right now.
1: I'm sure you had to turn down some girls after that. Oh, yeah, no, I had to fight them all for sure. Mr. J.B. Brooks, how many Whataburgers have you had in Destin, Florida?
3: I have had one Whataburger so far with probably one or two more to come.
1: Ask him how many Culver's he's had. Ooh, better question. How many Culver's have you had?
3: I've made two trips to Culver's so far.
1: Two independent trips?
3: One of them was independent, and the other one was the pool itself.
1: Say that one more time. I couldn't hear you.
3: One of them was independent and the other was with Holt himself.
1: This God. is the official.
0: <laughs> this,
1: I, I can still hear parts parts of what you're saying, J.B. This is
2: the official chief week, is it not? <laughs> is pretty much all diets have come completely by the way, son. this is just 100%. Uh, Madness and very cool and uh, very unhealthy. Did we break JB
1: already before the five-minute mark?
2: Uh, It looks as though we have any um, minor technical difficulties we have on this show. I don't know what it is, but something about us fucking up just really makes JB happy. Yeah, Mr. J.B. Brooks. How
1: many? How many? How much have you had to drink tonight?
2: Uh, just one that That's all I've had.
1: Hulk Smash. Can I call bullshit on that?
2: Um, that's all I saw. Um, that's all I saw him drink. Um, I had a few beers today, and I had a old fashioned and a Manhattan for dinner with dinner.
1: High class again. Wanna repeat something we said last week. Podcasting business does pay off.
2: It really does. You know, it's good to see things um, doing everything with my company dime. Alex is the accountant and he's giving me the go ahead to uh, to just go crazy this week and uh yeah. all the companies.
1: Yeah, okay. are- you get a tax you get a tax benefit from it and you treat your employees well. You treat your people right. You've seen that Chick fil A video. You treat your people right, they'll take care of you.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, you know, it's definitely been a. Uh, my pleasure to bring all of you to this great podcast.
1: Host, smash! Was there an exciting game for you this weekend in SEC football? No, I-, I think that I think that might be the right answer. 30. Most of the games, what's that? Arkansas
3: game. Other than that, I mean, I guess you can count more than an Illinois close, but the other four pretty crappy.
1: Yeah, they just they weren't they weren't great. You're right. Um, Jamie you moved up or excuse me I think what, what was it it was it wasn't you actually it was Holt smash that moved Arkansas back to number 14 in the power rankings even though they played aM close and people the people want you to answer to that ranking
2: um, I think it's is the 14th best team in the SEC right now um, they haven't really proven anything otherwise um, you know Tennessee hasn't really played all that great either but you know what in Tennessee and Arkansas Win, so that's what I'm going with, and Arkansas. If you want to climb out of the cellar, then you're gonna to have to beat somebody. And until then, I don't really want to hear it. I love all of you. I appreciate all your support. We're all great people, but until you all beat somebody, you're all number 14. And really, it's
1: not to me. If I if I was a fan of Arkansas or Tennessee, for that matter, which I'm not, I don't know if I would really uh, take too much time in arguing if I was the 12th and 13th best team in SEC over the 14th. This doesn't seem like an argument I really want to take much time spending and realizing where I am right now in
2: football. Yeah, I don't really understand it either. Um, but you know what? And they don't like being last. and Because, uh, you know, Tennessee and Barrett are pretty terrible. Um, so I definitely understand. Uh, unfortunately, one of those teams has to be ranked last, and they probably all three think they're better than the other two. But – um,
1: it's just wherever I know. For sure. The other ranking question I would have is for Mr. JB Brooks. You moved Alabama down, I think, to number four this week. Is that just because they allowed Ole Miss to score thirty-one points, and the game wasn't close really um, after the first quarter? But um, Alabama didn't, you know, didn't give up like you know their usual ten points. They gave up thirty-one to Ole Miss. So is that why you're moving? Alabama down number four? Because everybody else moved Alabama up ahead of Clemson in the national ranking. keep ahead of
3: in the national rankings, but I need to see more from uh, Bama's defense. And also, I want them to be able to show more in the running game. A little better. But another, the third factor is that they haven't shown themselves against anybody yet because everybody they played has not been the best team. I, I want to yeah. see how they fare against, you know, an elite team. LSU's got their signature win. Auburn's got a few signature victories. Um, you know, I'm forgetting about the SEC. Georgia.
1: Georgia's got Notre Georgia. Dame. Georgia.
3: Georgia's beat the game. So I want to see Alabama against a marquee opponent. I'm not trying to disrespect Alabama at all, but I'm really just trying to give credit to the other three schools because they all look really good, and all three of them, I think, can challenge Alabama.
1: If you're doing a power ranking based off of like, strength of schedule and who you've actually beat and teams play, then, yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't put Alabama number one. But to me, personally, whenever I, if I was doing power ranking, I would still keep Alabama at number one just because of the eye test. And, um, I mean, why bet against Saban? It's kind of hard to bet against Alabama and Saban when they've dominated the SEC over the past 10 years. So that's why I would keep them number one. But I can understand why you'd want to put LSU or Georgia ahead of them or even Auburn just because they'd be better teams.
2: Yeah, and I just – you know, I'm still wrong with Alabama number one. Um, I just – I mean, honestly, like I just trust them more than the other teams. Maybe a little bit overrated. LSU, I think, is probably the second best. Um, but I just don't think they're quite on Alabama's level yet. Um, I know Alabama hasn't played in one yet, but to me that isn't really what power rankings are about. They're not a – you know, strength of schedule, uh, what have you – you know, resume-type rankings or, like, if – and I just – there isn't anyone in the SEC that I think would beat Alabama straight up. Um, I would have Alabama favorite over just pretty much anyone in the country.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the
2: worst week of college football. There's been – there's definitely been better weeks,
1: um, especially in the SEC. The best game probably nationally to me was the um, Clemson-North Carolina game, surprisingly, because North Carolina was pretty much there – Uh, Do you agree with the call to go for two? Hold. I think I know we're going to lean for this for North Carolina against Clemson.
2: Never go for two, ever. No shit. (laughs) Um, I thought it was the, Um, you know, it's you know, there's like still a minute and a half left in the game, you know, because Clemson could obviously go just go right now field a kick field goal, Um, but you know it's not quite the same thing as if it was the last play of the game. Yeah, to go for it. you know, North Carolina's offense had really struggled on offense the whole game. Really the whole second half, they really weren't moving the ball at all until the last drive. So, uh, I think the odds of them scoring or them winning in overtime are pretty slim. And I think Mike Brown knew that. So, he just went ahead and went for the win right there. And, um, you know, maybe not the best play call. Obviously, it didn't work out too well. You got to give Clemson defense some credit um, for getting a great stop there. But, you know, I definitely they went for it. No one expected them to win, so you know props to Matt Brown for you know. I mean, I don't turn North Carolina ACC championship caliber team, but he's definitely got them back playing in competitive games and um, really got them going in the right direction. It doesn't make sense why there's not really an elite score. I wouldn't say elite, but like a consistent top
1: twenty-five program in the state of North Carolina. Um, NC State's been good in years, and North Carolina's had some good years, but it's been very inconsistent. But Um, the, the most consistent team in the state might be even app state. Uh, but there's just, there's a lot of teams there that have potential and North Carolina doesn't, it's not like they don't have talent in the state. I just don't understand why there's not better teams or at least one team that's like kind of pulling away from everyone else in the state of North Carolina, but it's just the way it is. Same with you here for a second, whole smash. Um, were you like, I guess, how, how disappointed were you against this, uh, this Auburn team? for Mississippi State. Uh, I, the line was like a ten, 10, I think, or something, something, somewhere around there. Um, I didn't think Mississippi State was going to win, but I didn't think Auburn was just going to go down the field and score as many points as they did on Mississippi State.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a very disappointing game for sure. Definitely one of the more disappointing games that I can recall. You know, I definitely did not expect Mississippi State to win this game, and I didn't really expect them to cover either. Um, but to just come out and play – it was really disappointing. Um, you know, I mean, first and foremost, you're kind of disappointed with just the preparedness of the team. You know, they just didn't really seem like they are prepared to play. Uh, they get a delayed game on the first play of the game before they can even take a snap to get a delayed game. And then they have a delay of game on, a, on the punt on the same drive. And then Auburn scores on the first play with like, the really untouched. Just, you know, just come out basically like as worst of a start as you could have. And then Stevens gets hurt. You know, he's finally back. He finally gets a start. And uh, you know he's hurt after like the first drive, and um, you know just really, or I think it was the second drive actually. Um, you know, starting off, you're just really disappointed, like the coaching and the preparation, little things, these late hits, uh, targeting things of that nature. Um, and then you know the defense is what, at the end of the day, was really the most disappointing. Uh, the offense kind of got rolling um, after you know that first initial. Um, wave from Auburn and, you know, Schrader came in and led the offense pretty well and they started the ball a little bit, but the defense just never got anything going. I mean, they were just like Swiss cheese. I mean, just absolutely just (laughs) holes everywhere, like wide open, running lanes, uh, wide open. I mean, Auburn could really just do whatever they wanted to. And, you know, I know uh, a lot of people are going to give a lot of credit to Auburn and I'm not saying they don't deserve it. They deserve a lot of credit. Um, But as a Mississippi State and watching that game, it's really hard to Focus on how bad your team is playing. So I may not be like the best person that's about all play because it's really just hard for me to focus on anything other than how bad Mississippi State played. And true, uh, two um, who really got exposed in this game um, had played really well up until this point, uh, but really struggled. And you know, we talked about those suspensions on the defensive line of the ball from um, it. Really, really showed up in this game. Moorhead elected not to play those guys in this game. They have four games to play. They played last week against Kentucky. It was not to play against Auburn. And part of me feels like that maybe was a signal to the team, like, hey, we don't think we can win this game, so we're just going to save them for a more winnable game. And, um, you know, the defense just was absolutely just terrible. I mean, Auburn really they do not want it to. I kind of caught off the dogs in the quarter, but just really disappointing uh, effort by the, the Mississippi State defense. On the other
1: side, uh, J.B., Holt said
2: that uh, it's hard for
1: him to focus on anything other than how bad Mississippi State looked. But I think on the flip side, uh, I think personally Auburn is getting close to being scary good. I think they separated from Florida a little bit, and they do play next week Auburn-Florida, which would be a great game. But um, do you think Auburn's to the point where they're scary good and – they're in the elite of the SEC somewhere in between Alabama, LSU and Georgia, or do you still think they're separated out?
3: Auburn is uh, closing the gap on those top three. I think they're on the fringe of something special. I mean, Bill Nix had his best game of the season so far, throwing for 335 yards and two, two touchdowns. Also, uh, carrying you know 56 yards on the ground and another touchdown, uh, it was a really good game for him and the offense was, yeah, it was, it was clicking on all cylinders in the first half. But every possession they had was for, uh, for a touchdown, for that matter. So it was a great it was great effort by the offense and so the defense as you was, uh, really stout against that uh, Mississippi State back. And I mean Auburn. I mean when I was watching the game, I mean my impression was that Auburn is you know that. You can almost put them in the same con- conversation as LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. I think they're very close. And, and even as I alluded to in the preseason, it's about how I think Auburn is going to get better as the season progresses. And they've been doing that week by week. And really for Auburn, uh, they don't play LSU until late October. So they still got really another month before they have to worry about that game. And then they don't play Georgia the uh, end of November, so they've got a lot of time to go to keep on getting better before they face you know, the other three.
1: Right, but they do play Florida next week, and that's not going to be an easy game. I think that would actually yeah. be at Florida, too. I don't want to disrespect
3: yeah, Florida. I don't want to disrespect Florida. Uh, that is yeah. going to be a tough challenge for Auburn, too, and it's going to be a sellout in
1: Have they it's already so never- to
3: Throwbacks to, to the 1960s. So, I mean, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere in the Swamp. And it'll be a great test sure they, for Bowdix and that Auburn team. But they've already been tested so far this season. Already playing three, you know, legit opponents with Oregon, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State.
1: I'm sure, sure they've already announced game day. But is it? It's not going to be Auburn Florida next week, is it?
3: Yeah, game day is going to be in Gainesville next weekend.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that's looks to me like the best game that week. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, so those, those are my takeaways that um, Auburn, to me, looks really, really good. And I don't know about uh, Mississippi State anymore. Um, Auburn, one thing for sure is that Auburn's defense isn't going to uh, be the one that loses the many games, I don't think. I think Auburn's defense, I think they're the best in the SEC. The only one you could argue is maybe, you could argue Georgia and LSU has the potential, but they haven't shown it yet. And then um I don't know. I just think, I think Auburn, Auburn has the best defense. Alabama's defense is obviously usually pretty good, but um, Auburn's got a nasty defense. Yeah, I would,
3: I would put Auburn's defense in the conference so far this season. And we talked
1: yeah. about how we thought
3: their defense would be really good. And I even talked about how Kevin Steele's the most disrespected defensive coordinator in the conference. He got a few people laughing at me. Well, guess what? I'm the one laughing at you because – Are you laughing? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know Yeah. I'm you're you're laughing. are saying that. Well, guess what? I know something you don't is Kevin Steele has the best defense in the conference.
1: Yeah. Well, they would also argue that you you picked Tennessee to win seven games this year.
3: Well, also, I wasn't going to pick Tennessee
1: and win pick seven. I think all three of us had a pretty good much consensus on that as well. So, we all missed on them. Yeah. We're not the only ones. You're right. Um, Holt, are you more optimistic about Ole Miss this year? I mean, I know you can't really be as a Mississippi State fan, but, I mean, looks like their offense is kind of coming together here. Um, as the season progresses with their new quarterback Plumley and his uh, dual threat ability, even against Alabama.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, Plumley played really well. Um, even though he's a true freshman. You know, I just really think he's going to be the guy going forward for Ole Miss. I mean, I just he fits so much better into the offense for Rich Rodriguez, and he can do some things that Corral can't really do. You know, didn't have like the most efficient game pass. He's a little bit more of a running star back, and I'm. Really- you know, they talk about this on broadcast a lot, but you know, he's a baseball player and, um, you know, he was recruited by some other SEC schools as like a defensive back and a wide receiver. So definitely got some serious playmates uh, from the quarterback position. And they just kind of turned it loose with him. They just let him go. Uh, they ran the ball 25 times. And um, I think him running the ball really opened it up for the running backs, Ely and Connor. Um, they didn't have a ton of yards total, but they, had, they both averaged over six yards of carry. Uh, so that was um, for that offense, uh, especially against. They kept it close for the you know they were leading after the first. Quarter. Um, you know the second quarter is really where the game was decided. You know Alabama scored them thirty-one to nothing, but yeah, I mean I just think that John Rice Plumley is the guy going forward um, for Ole Miss. I just think he's the best for the offense, and you know it's definitely going to be interesting when Corral gets healthy to see what they do. But I think they should stick with uh, Plumley.
1: Kind of disappointed in my boy Scotty Phillips for not showing out
2: anymore. I think he's he's taking the year off. Yeah. He's taken from him uh, from Jerry Neely, the uh, highly touted freshman. You know, had 11 carries for 68 yards. A big impact on kick returns as well. So definitely a crowded backfield. And with the quarterback getting 25 carries, it's just, you know, there's not a ton of carries to go around for him.
1: Yeah. Um, and of course, this is just a typical to a game: uh, twenty-six for thirty-six, four hundred eighteen yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, it's crazy that we almost aren't surprised, or this is actually expected now from Tua to have a game like this, even against—I mean, Ole this defense obviously isn't great, but still, um, that's some um, some PlayStation numbers. Whole uh, Tua throws week in and week out. Um, I was noticing the running game probably Alabama whole. Najee Harris and Brian Robinson both had good games – decent games, not great games. They didn't have as many carries. Najee Harris had nine carries for 71 yards, and then Brian Robinson had 10 carries for 60 yards. Um, I've been high on Najee Harris the whole year, actually ever since he came to college. because I thought it was going to be Derrick Henry 2.0, but he hasn't been that quite yet. But I was watching Brian Robinson play a little bit on Saturday, and he actually looks uh, – I don't want to say better, but he looks a lot better than I thought he was.
2: Been like that, a good number two guy for them, and um, I actually got more carries last week than Najee Harris did. And, you know, obviously Robinson getting nine, Harris getting ten, Robinson getting ten, Harris getting nine. So they they split the carries up pretty well. Um, you know, they had a couple of good runs last against. Uh, so um, that's definitely something to watch going forward. Um, you know, obviously this is. Offense with Tua and those receivers, but you know, once they play some of those better teams in their schedule, they're going to run because you know they're not just going to be able to to throw the ball near. They play, and um, you know, I was in the national championship game last year, Alabama would to go around the field, and they couldn't question the it because they couldn't run the ball. So um, that's definitely going to be some emphasis going forward, as we talk about every week. But you know, um, I don't know. It's going to be a while before they play someone who's really going to be able to stop even slow down.
3: Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's not an issue right now, but it is something they're going to need to get solved by the end of the season.
1: JB, we talk about Alabama's receivers, but when we normally
2: talk about them, we talk about Judy,
1: Waddle and Ruggs. Uh, but Devontae Smith broke out in this game with almost 300 yards uh, receiving and five touchdowns. Um, where is this guy coming from, and is this guy going to be a factor going forward now? Uh, Devontae Smith's all
3: been part of that same. I mean, he is kind of forgotten about, but he's definitely an enemy. I mean, you got four weapons. You got four guys that can do, you know, different things better than the other, which makes it even more dangerous. I mean, with the speed of guys like Waddle and Ruggs, and then Devontae Smith are really good route runners getting open, and then you got Judy who is the uh, complete package. I mean, it's four awesome weapons and, you know, three guys that you can make an argument that are probably first round picks. And it's, it's it's a loaded, it's a loaded uh, receiving corps that to work with. And it's, it's, it's very unfair for the rest of the defense. And it gives defensive coordinators headaches.
1: Yeah. It's been a while since we've seen a receiving corps like this. And some people have argued that this is one of the best receiving corps ever. Um, in college football. I don't know if I go that far just because I can't think of all the great ones, but this is definitely a, an elite receiving core. Who is your favorite out of that group, JB? Uh, I mean, I, I would
3: probably have for me to pick one, but I will go ahead and pick one. I'll, I'll pick uh, Jerry Judy because I, I like, I think to me, he's just the complete package. I, I mean, all these guys, like, you know, you look at the receivers in the past that have been in Alabama since they even got there, guys like Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper. Imagine having those three guys on the same team. That's what we kind of have right now with Almanac. Three Four guys that are all playmakers and number one wide right, receivers for other teams, but you've got them all on one team.
1: Yeah. I, I personally like Waddle the best just because he's, I think, the fastest, but Judy is the one that I think about the first whenever I think of their receiving core. They are not short on receivers. Holt Smash, did you see A.J. Brown break out for the Titans this week? That's kind of related here because he did play for Ole Miss.
2: Yeah, that was uh, pretty exciting to watch. I'm glad that A.J. Brown is falling on a team that I cheer for. Um, he definitely – and Mariota really needs those receivers to step up. And, you know, with him and Corey Davis, all of a sudden, you know, Mariota looks like a halfway decent quarterback. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, as long as – Good to see, you know, Ole Miss has had, uh, not a lot of luck with their players doing well in the NFL, but it looks like A.J. Brown is going to be uh, one that, you know, kind of breaks through and ends up having a really good career.
1: Yeah. As long as Mariota doesn't just always rely on Delaney Walker to get him those five-yard catches, if he actually goes downfield more with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, I think he should be fine. Um, I'm surprised that A.J. Brown dropped that much in the drafts. He uh, – I mean, to me, it's like he was like a no-brainer for first-round pick, but for some reason he kept dropping, and the uh, Titans took advantage of it, and he's now showing out in the NFL. Um, so I'm excited about him as a Titans fan. Um, what other games? Oh, why was this AM arkansas game so close? A&M should be a lot better than Arkansas. Arkansas lost to San Jose State, and yet they almost beat A&M here.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was definitely uh, you know, a gut check for Arkansas. Um, coming off that loss last week at San Jose State. This is a robbery game. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it may not be like, you know, maybe one of the most heated robberies. It definitely is not quite on the level of Arkansas and Missouri, but. You're right. Pretty solid uh, robbery game. And, you know, this is played at neutral slide every year, and it's a big stadium. And, uh, you know, obviously Chad Morris has a lot of roots in the state of Texas. And, you know, we had actually kind of talked about this last week about the line was way too big. Game Um, with Arkansas so much this year, you just knew this is going to be a close game. It's a close game every single year. Uh, You know, pretty much no matter what, chances are it's always a close game. And so, um, you know, that trend continues. Um, You know, you got to give, I mean, you got to give Arkansas credit. They came out and they played well, Uh, they had a couple things, not quite good. Uh, and then they had a couple of things kind of break their way and they were able to get back in the game. I actually had the lead in the second half. So, um, you know, definitely uh, a, a step forward for Arkansas. Um, I know they would like for their next step forward to be, like, an actual win. But, you know, it's so good to see this team hasn't given up and they're still fighting. And then, you know, for a you kind of look. Like, I know it sucks and it's ugly and no one feels good about barely beating Arkansas. But, you know what, like, you got the win. Like, just move on. You know, just gotta buy. Away. Yeah, I mean, look, like, you got buy week coming up, and then you know, like just you're you're fine where you're at right now. You to be closing on the. You know, Auburn looks like a really good team. Like you're still, you still have a chance to have a good season. Like you're gonna have games like this where you don't play well and you have to get out a win, and that's what they did. I mean, they came, they came through, they got the win. It wasn't pretty. You know, people are gonna make their snark comments about playing. markets. fine. At the end of the day cards win, and more importantly, win outside of your own building. Um, you know, so, I mean, those are always going to be hard to come by. So you know, you just take your win, and you just move on, and you know, uh, look forward to the next game.
1: JB, are there such thing as moral victories, or, or do you hate them altogether? Because I kind of hate moral victories. No,
2: I, I am not a believer
3: in moral, vic- moral victories, and don't even get me started on it. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into moral victories at all, but. I mean, this was a good response by Arkansas, though I will give them credit on that. Uh, Chad Morris really challenged his team after their disappointing loss to San Jose State at home the week before and said that his team will respond in the very next game, and they did. I mean, no, they did not come away with a victory, but they took a really good Texas a m team to the wire. But uh, they didn't come away with some things on the field that I think they can carry forward through the rest of the season. The future and the uh, beginning, still in the early stages of the uh, Chad Morris era.
1: For sure, um, he's still, he's still. I feel like iffy as a coach in Arkansas, or the fans are still like kind of up in the air. This is definitely. No, I do want to give a uh,
3: shout out to uh, Texas a He has struggled beginning of the season. He's missed a few in each game. Missed two against the against Auburn that were critical. He missed one in that uh, Clemson. This game it was twenty-eight seven, with about less than four minutes ago. Fifty yarder to A and M by, by uh, four points, and that really made the difference because if he doesn't make that field goal. but Arkansas field to win the game, and uh, Arkansas kickers in all of college football too, and Leopard, and. To me, that that made a huge difference for AM And M with uh, Seth Small nailing that fifty yarder.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I always get scared when college kickers try to kick a field goal in general, just because you, the NFL, you you have like complete confidence in anything inside yeah. forty yards, but for sure, college anything over thirty yards, you're kind of like close your eyes and hope for the best.
3: Right. I mean, if Seth Small doesn't make that fifty yarder, we could be talking about a different outcome.
1: Yeah. JB, about this Kentucky South Carolina game, did you did you really enjoy the Muschamp quote after the game? I absolutely did. You know,
3: <laughs> Muschamp is always at the press conferences. I mean, no matter if he's happy or if he's angry, like he is just entertainment at press conferences. Can
1: you can you paraphrase it just so everybody knows real quick? I mean, he essentially said that
3: his uh, wife thinks he's a loser. He thinks he's getting old hairs now than he's ever had so he started wearing glasses his reading glasses at the games because he can't see that well and now he's 1-0 and so he's wearing the reading glasses so he's going to keep on wearing those reading
1: glasses <laughs> you can you can kind of understand why players like playing for him. i mean he recruits really well just because he's a likable guy uh at the press conference he was most memorable to me whenever he got fired at florida and his like basically exit press conference um was really, really good press conference, I think. It was really uh, heartfelt, and I think, and I think you, this was a good when one. You, you, when you see these interviews with West Champ, he'll tell you, like, hey, I've been
3: – you may not be able to tell on the football field, but I'm getting angry and yelling at the refs and yelling at players, but damn, I'm a really nice guy. And he, he doesn't like the perception that he's a mean guy just because of how
1: intense he is on the field. I'm, I'm kind of concerned, JB, here for Kentucky because uh, I feel like they're trending downwards, especially with the quarterback situation they got going on. It's just – it doesn't look pretty right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's – Kentucky's regressed in the last few. I mean, a few weeks ago, how this team was just a few plays away from uh, beating Florida, you know, who's you know ninth in the country, and you know a few weeks later, I mean, their season's been tumbling ever since that game. Like that was really a turning point game, was uh, blowing their lead against against uh, Florida.
1: Oh, was this an ugly game that you expected?
2: Truth is about Kentucky. Um... I mean, with Sawyer Smith, you know, you look at the numbers, and obviously you i I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's fighting through uh, some pretty serious injuries right now, and uh, his team just kind of needs him out there. Uh, 100%. So I don't completely take too much away from, um, you know, from him. I'm definitely playing well in that first half against Florida. I'm not sure what happened or when it happened, but he's, he's just really hit a wall, and, um, you know, I believe that he's fighting through some injuries. Why kind of he's been struggling. Teams have been able to key on the and they've been able to get, you know, uh, smoke or rose going. Um, you know, Rodriguez did have a big touchdown run in this one, um, but other than that, it was, you know, pretty tough slate for this Kentucky offense. They didn't really have much that's going on. And, uh, you know, honestly, the, it's been pretty disappointing for me, though. Uh, Kentucky. Uh, the second game in a row, they give up multiple 100-yard rushers to the other team. Um, you know, obviously Feaster and Dowdle both going over 100 yards and then, you know, an average of four yards to carry as well. Almost 250 rushing yards between the three of them. Um, just over that Kentucky defense and um, really just how physical to them. They definitely seem like they care more about this game. Kentucky seems like kind of a lost team right now. And, uh, you know, I, I've you know, you asked me last week about Terry Wilson and whether or not it was a huge impact, and I said, you know, came back on it, you know, it really looks like losing was Terry Wilson would be really tough on this team, and, uh, you know, I'm not really sure where they're, they're going to end up by the end of the year.
1: Jamie, do you think Kentucky fans have uh, effectively tuned out football and ready for basketball season now? So I mean, there's still a lot
3: of enthusiasm left over from last year, and we and even talked this is still kind of a rebuilding year for Kentucky. I mean, they're not at a stage where they – even in a rebuilding year, I still expect them to be a yeah, old contending team. As of right now, I don't know if they are a yeah, old team. They might still still be able to sneak six wins here somewhere. I don't know if can see four wins left on their schedule. But uh, it's still possible because I just, you look at the bottom tier, they're all really bad. So, I mean, I still think they're better than the bottom tier. So, I think they can still – you know, with four more victories and to get into a bowl would be great considering the circumstances that Mark's the this season. Like I said, they're not in a position to reload. They're still, you know, a team that has to rebuild. And they're going to have some lightning in the ball years like last year. Then they're going to have some rebuilding years like this year where they're barely a bowl team or they barely miss
1: I mean, you look at their schedule, I think it's very reasonable to get to six wins. They have um, Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, UT Martin, Louisville. That's – uh, five winnable games I, there. So.
3: At the bottom tier, but they also could lose a game to one of those bottom tier teams as well, so You're right, I feel like they're not just have to steal a victory against a team that's probably better than them, because I feel like they're still going to lose one of those bottom tier games. I don't know which one, but I feel like they could.
1: Oh, Bayerville won against Northern Illinois, but you still think they're in the bottom tier of the SEC? Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I do. Uh, I'm happy that they were able to get a win. Um at the same time, you would hope to beat Northern Illinois a little bit easier than they did. Um, you know, and Northern Illinois had the ball um, towards the chance to you know go ahead with the touchdown. So um, definitely not the performance you want to see. But at this point, if you're Vanderbilt, I think you're just happy with any kind of a win. And you know, good to see them finally get on long carries, 138 yards and a touchdown. Um, seems like they've kind of gotten away from a little bit. I don't know if other teams are just like keying in on it and forcing them, or or what exactly the situation is. And plus, you know, they replaced basically their entire offensive line from last year as well, so those guys are still learning. Um, you know, it'll be you know it'll be interesting to see where Venable goes from here. Um, you know, they really really struggled on defense those first three games, and you know Saturday they were not great, but they were better. Um, obviously, it helps playing against. Uh, non 5 team, but at this point you'll just take anything you can get. As I was saying earlier, um, went in the win column. They it wasn't pretty, but they got a win, and uh, something they can build on going forward. Neal had you know okay numbers, one you know, for twenty-eight touchdown, so no picks. So they're really playing it really conservative with him. Still, um, they haven't really been able to open it up. He's you know he's had a couple good games. Um, you know, you can tell they're still kind of uh, playing it pretty conservative with defense, and um, you know, it's just they're gonna have to take defense if they're gonna be uh, once they go into conference play because you know it could get it could get ugly if they don't if they don't start improving.
1: I would like to point out that your boy Keyshawn Bond did go off for 138 yards on 17 carries against Northern Illinois. State that uh,
2: earlier, but you oh, that's know, good. Good too.
1: Yeah, I just like to reiterate. You know, you know, whenever, whenever people aren't listening, like some other people on the on the line here. Yeah. Um. Just, you know, Keyshawn Bonds, the man, still. No, he really is.
2: I do. SEC slow smoke. Um. You know, it sucks that he's kind of on a rebuilding team this year. You know, he's a senior, and I think. You know, people are going to maybe look back a little bit more fondly on his junior year, um, but you know, still a still a great player and uh, you know one of the better running backs in the conference. He
1: he transferred from Illinois, right? Yes. Yeah. So it kind of kind of sucks because you think he would transfer and he'd want to get playing time. So I don't know his situation at Illinois. I don't think he was getting enough carries. So he'd want he'd probably just want to transfer to a you know decent school that he could get some more carries and better well fits that, but. I don't know where he could go, where it'd be a good good team, and he could still get the carries. Like, I mean, I think, look at him now; he's a good running back, and he can get carries on multiple teams. But um, it just kind of sucks that he's not on a winning team or a better team than he is.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like this year, there's so many running backs, and you just, you know, I mean, the truth is, like, if you're a running back, you're probably gonna have to share carries no matter who you are or where you're at.
1: Yeah, exactly. The only other game. SEC game this week was the Florida-Towson game. And I
2: really don't want to talk about this
1: one too much. It was just easy 38 to so nothing win. Kind of what you expected. Um, Trask went 18 for 20 with 180 yards, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so good numbers for him against Towson. Supposed to win. So nothing nothing really come from that, I don't think. Um, unless you have some um, earth-shattering uh insight JB from this game.
3: No, there's nothing Earth Saturday. I mean, it was just a very good booster for Kyle Trask getting another start under his belt against a, not a, not as great of an opponent, uh, an FCS opponent. So they got their FCS opponent out of the way Uh, this week, was just not the most exciting week, but to allude to Vanderbilt, um, I guess it could be one of their last few victories of the season too. And, you know, that you look at their, the future schedule for them, uh, it's really going to be a battle between Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Arkansas for the worst record this year. And I think all four of them are at the top of the line in contention for having the worst record in the SEC. And right now I'd almost want to start a bet of which team you would pick to not have the worst record of those four. And
1: honestly, to me, it's kind of fun to think about who's going to be the worst in the SEC. I know it's not something you really want to see, but it's it's kind of interesting to watch play out because – there's some bad teams at the bottom of the SEC. There's some obviously some really good teams at the very top, but the bad teams at the SEC are pretty bad and the and SEC like, who, who can actually win a game between those bottom four teams? Yeah.
2: yeah. Is it bad that I'm like really looking forward to the Arkansas-Kentucky game? I don't
1: I don't think that's the one I would think. I would think like either the Tennessee-Kentucky or Tennessee-Vanderbilt would be the one I'm excited about. What about
2: Ole Miss-Vanderbilt?
1: Or yeah, that's nice. Oh. Yeah, almost Vanderbilt. Tennessee, I, I probably actually I would say Tennessee Vanderbilt is probably the most exciting because the thing is, Tennessee is supposed to be pretty bad this year. That's what everybody thinks. And Vanderbilt isn't going to be great either, but um, Vanderbilt takes a lot of pride in that game. And Tennessee is like coming back from losing the last three years or whatever it was. So um, it's going to be a very uh, prideful game that might not be anything on the line except for pride. And I think it'll be fun to
2: watch. Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, yeah, I think. Uh... Arkansas's best shot for a conference win this year is maybe that Kentucky game. Fans probably don't want to hear that, but um, you know, I, if Arkansas is going to get a conference win this year, I think it's probably going to have to be on the road to Kentucky.
1: You look at Vanderbilt's schedule; it's not as bad. It's not. It's not easy, uh, but there's definitely some winnable games. They have uh, at Ole Miss coming up uh, next week, and they have UNLV, um, Kentucky, <laughs> East Tennessee State, and Tennessee. So that's three. Four winnable games, if not five winnable games. Um, they're obviously, not going to win all of them, but they can, you know, at least win a couple of those. So, I mean, there's five winnable. So, there is a path for Vanderbilt to get to bowl eligibility, but um, it's not going to be easy because uh, it's just not win. easy winning for Vanderbilt right now. However, yeah, make it. There were some games nationally um, that I don't really know if I want to talk about too much because none of those games stand out to me. I think it's funny that they picked the Ohio State-Nebraska game to be the college game day game. I guess the thought behind that was like, okay, we'll make this game day and this will be an underdog game and maybe we'll push Nebraska over the edge to be Ohio State like Purdue beat Ohio State last year. But it was, more, it was more just an
3: excuse just to get back to Lincoln-Nebraska. Game day hadn't been there in a very long time and Lincoln used to be a staple on the uh, college game day uh, map and now they, they, have, they finally thought this would be their opportunity to get back there.
1: And of course, yeah. you know, flat on their face. Whole smash is out of the three Georgia quarterbacks at one point in time on the same team with Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, and um, Jake Fromm. I guess Justin Fields and Eason weren't on the same team at the same time. Which one is the best? Because uh, Justin Fields has looked really great at Ohio State, as expected, because that's a good system for quarterbacks to play in. But Jacob Eason has looked great at Washington, too. Um, Fromm has looked good at Georgia, but they don't really have as a um air raid offense as the other two schools so just curious who you think that really the best quarterback is out of those
2: three well from did beat out both of them um both of the other two so i mean i guess just going off of that you can maybe say from i think from is probably the best leader out of all of them Uh, i think he's got the you know he's the guy you probably want as your quarterback the most out of the three of them i think eason maybe has you know, the biggest frame and the biggest arm and uh, one of those people that kind of can wow you with his potential. And then I think Fields is probably the, the most talented out of all three of them as far as being a college quarterback, for sure. Um, you know, honestly, like if I was starting a college team today, you know, you look, you could just build a quarterback. You, you'd want exactly who you want, someone who's big, can run, throw. I pretty much do it all. But, you know, it's just hard to go against uh, from And, you know, as I said, I already beat out both of those guys. And um, you know he's just a he's just a solid leader. He's got a great arm. Um, you know, it seems like he always plays good in big games. Uh, just a great leader. I mean, I know I've said that a few times, but I just can't emphasize that enough. That's probably the most important quality you can have in a quarterback. It's just be a leader, a good example, and not have a shit attitude. Because when you do, that's you know that's going to reflect. You know, it's going to trickle down to the rest of the team. So um, it's on the same page as the coaches and. Um, you know, it's going to do everything you can to, uh, you know, to lead the team and uh, have everybody pulling in the same direction.
1: Yeah. Uh, I still
2: never understand why
1: five-star quarterbacks recruit to the same school on top of each other and then transfer out. It just doesn't seem like
2: the right thing to do. But. I mean, it's just like, you know, especially if if someone's ahead of you and they've already, like, established themselves, like, I just don't know why you would go there. Like, you know, to me with fields, like, You know, I mean, obviously it's worked out now because he's at Ohio State, but it doesn't really make sense why you would even go to Georgia in the first place if, you know, Fromm's already there and he's already established himself.
1: Our boy China Hubbard from Oklahoma State did go off yet again another game. He had 25 carries for 296 yards against Kansas State. I don't know when – I don't know if everybody's talking about him nationally yet. I feel like you watch an Oklahoma C- State game on TV. They're obviously going to mention him, but like nobody's mentioning him in terms of Heisman race. You know why, JB? Because the Heisman race is a quarterback race.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really a – I was telling Holt it was a quarterback race Saturday, but there's a fourth one I have to throw in there as well. I mean, it's really between Tua, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and the fourth one being Justin Fields. Guys, to me, all have a case to be the front runner for the Heisman. And all four, I think, you know, as, as long as they keep playing the way they are and stay on the same trajectory, those four are going to be your main finalists uh, coming up. And it's really wide open between the four.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see. Hubbard has not here 38 yards right now. I mean, he, he could honestly go off for over 2,000 yards. Are you saying, like, he won't even be in the running? I think I think he would be at least in the running here if he went for 2,000 yards for Oklahoma State, a power five school, especially if you had a big game against Oklahoma, which Oklahoma doesn't always play great defense, uh, except for they are this year.
2: So Yeah, I mean, I just – I think that uh, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin is probably the leading running um, Plus, everybody knows who he is from last year, you know what I mean? So, he's kind of already got that credibility. And, uh, you know, playing in the Big Ten, you know, we're a lot of to stop the run, and there's some defenses that he has to go against. Um, you know, he definitely is going to get more opportunities to show up. And uh, for – You know, Oklahoma State is just – it's a little bit more difficult because, um, you know, you don't play a lot of good defenses and teams just don't really respect your number much. And, um, you know, I don't know how many big games Oklahoma State's going to be playing in for him to really show out and, you know, get that opportunity. You know, it's pretty much just going to be a quarterback. going to be a quarterback on a good team. I mean, that's pretty much – a quarterback who's on a good team playing in big games. You know, I mean, that's that's pretty much always what it comes down to.
1: JB, can you tell me who the best team in the Pac-12 is right now? Uh,
3: I mean, I would, it's, I would say Oregon. I mean, I think they're still the more complete team, but Washington's really not that far behind either. I mean, a terrible loss to California, which they should not have lost, but the edge to Oregon being the better team. They're just, I think Oregon is, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I would give Oregon the edge just because I think more top to bottom on both sides of the ball, I think they're slightly ahead of uh, Washington.
2: The Pac-12 race, just in general, is going to be really exciting this year. I mean, you don't have, like, a great teams, but, you know, there's a lot of teams who are competitive, and um, it's kind of wide open. And I, I've, I sort of feel like there's maybe five or six different teams that could, you know, potentially win the conference. Um, I think Washington and Oregon are, are the two best teams. Um, and then, obviously, Utah is right there as well. So um, it's going to be a really fun race uh, down the stretch for the Pac-12, for sure. And then Arizona Steelers, you know, big like, win for them.
1: Herm, I like seeing Herm do well. I don't know about y'all.
2: It's hard to root against Herm Edwards. He's just such a likable guy and he seems so genuine too.
1: Yeah. And he's funny to listen to when he talks at press conference. I just, I remember watching him on uh, NFL Sundays, but um, he's also just a funny guy on the press conference in general. Um, but one thing I noticed about the Pac 12 is um, those three teams, Washington, Oregon, and Utah, I think all three of them in the top 20 with, I think uh, Oregon has the highest ranking at 13, but I think by the end of the year, you could see potentially see those three teams just inside the top 10 or right around the top 10, just because um, they're, I think they're clearly better than the rest of the Pac 12. And I just don't think they're going to lose many games other than to each other. I mean, I, I can agree with that.
3: It's really been a, uh, comeback year for the past, I and mean, we were on their asses last last uh, academic year. I mean, they were really bad in football. They were not good in basketball.
2: Uh, they were bad in baseball. Too. They were pretty I mean, bad baseball. Is baseball is like their main sport that they're supposed to be good at, and they really struggled in the postseason last year yeah, as well.
3: But so far, uh, football has performed pretty well, and it's a really balanced conference this season. I mean, I, you got to give them credit. I mean, there's some, there's some solid teams. There's not a national title contender in that conference, but there's some really solid – you know, top 20, top 25 teams in that conference, like about, you know, at least three, but it was a four legit top 20.
1: The problem with the SEC, of course, is the same problem all, every year is that they're going to beat up on each other and probably uh, ruin ruin each other's, you know, rankings, so they can't all be in the top 10. Like, we have five teams in the top 10 with uh, three of them from the West, and it's going to be tough for Auburn, LSU, and Alabama to – stay in the top five or top ten after they play each other and play Georgia too. So it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough, but it doesn't mean they're not good teams. I think if you watch any of the top five teams play in the SEC besides maybe Florida, all of them look like legit legitimate elite teams to me. Yeah, I would agree with you for sure. All right. Holt Smash wants to talk about his picks. One thing I want to talk to you about Holt Smash is the whole smash golden rule is to never bet against Alabama. I've, I did not bet against Alabama this week, but I did lose the line, the spread against Ole Miss. So they did not cover. I think the line was 38, and they ended up winning by uh, 28. So what are you going to do, Holt? Why, why are you uh, – you need, might need to change your golden rule.
2: <laughs> I didn't change anything. I picked out on a cover last week, and I think they would have um, had it been for a muff point in the first quarter, really close for the first half, and then number two, um, Ole Miss scoring a couple garbage time touchdowns at the end of the game, um, you know, that'll pretty much get you every time, and, uh, you know, we, we want to, you know, Nick Saban talks about finishing a lot, I'm going to need his, uh, I'm going to need his defenses to finish a little bit better than they have the last freaking couple weeks, uh, first you got to want to get Carolina, let him score on the last play of the game to cover, and. You know, blowing the. So, uh, really going to need that uh, Alabama D finishing. Uh, Saban needs to start practicing what he's preaching all the time. Do you think he's going to find something to go off on
1: this week for whatever it is for their team or the schedule playing at uh, 11 a.m. or anything like that?
2: I feel like the answer to that question is always yes. Um, He's going to find something to get upset about. A reporter's going to ask a question about, you know, I mean, literally, like the most simple question ever, and he's just going to go on a thirty-minute rant about whatever it is he wants to talk about, whatever he wants to mess with. It seems to be that is uh, such an impressed. old thing to do. I think, I,
1: I think as you get older, you you like disregard the main question. You're just going to talk about what you want, no matter what.
2: Yeah, That actually, kind of sounds like JB.
1: Oh no, well, that's just that's just the JB WTF moments. Uh, JB doesn't answer questions. You're actually, so you're right. Uh, so hold smash. I'm assuming you got Alabama wrong. Um, but do you want to talk about the picks against the spread or the outright
2: picks? Well, I mean, my picks against the spread were pretty good. I mean, I did have Alabama as my lock, and that one did not work. Uh, That one did not go through. Uh, But obviously, Michigan uh, against Rutgers was uh, a very good cover. And then um, the other one that I was very proud of, obviously we already talked about, was Arkansas against Texas You just knew that was going to be a close game. They just they play a close game every year. Um, it's you know sort of a rivalry game. So um, definitely happy with those. But I was actually really happy to talk about uh, our picks because I finally made a move in the standings. JB was pretty much killing me the first few weeks of the season, and I was able to uh, sweep uh, the three three weeks. So uh, kind of kind of brought myself back to the pack a little bit and kind of made this a race again.
1: Remind me real quick, which three games did you make a move on?
2: Uh, let's see. I disagreed on South Carolina-Kentucky, which I had South Carolina. We disagreed on Minnesota-Purdue, which uh, Minnesota was able to win. Um, it was not they, – they had a lead, and then they kind of gave it – you know, got let Purdue back in the game, but they were able to – and then the last one was Virginia Tech Duke, I believe, which was Thursday night. Um, won that one very easily. Um, Virginia Tech got out to a three nothing lead, but uh, your boy Fuente, Fuente um, did not come through. Um, Cutcliffe coach circles around him, and um, Duke ended up getting a pretty easy win in that one. It's a, it's
1: bad right now for for Fuente, right, Kevin?
3: Yeah, Fuente is a. Uh losing control of his team and the program and probably has already lost the locker room. It's it's very dark days ahead in Blacksburg.
1: The good thing about him though is um, if he gets a group of five job or if he wants to coach a group of five team immediately, I mean he could. I think he'll actually do well there. I think I think yeah. he's a better coach than his I mean I, I think
3: he'll be the head coach at Memphis when Mike Orville leaves after this season.
1: Um if he does go and if he didn't like everybody's projecting um, <laughs> I would, that's, that, that does bring me to my next question, JB. Since we're you want to talk about Memphis for a little bit, should Memphis be ranked in the top twenty-five
2: in both polls? Yes, hundred percent. I mean, look at some of the teams who are ranked right now. I mean, Texas A&M is ranked. Like, yeah,
1: people are mad about that. I know.
2: I mean, there's some bad teams that are ranked right now, and I think I think Memphis is good enough to deserve a ranking.
1: SMU is ranked twenty-five, and the best team they beat was TCU. But um, I mean, I don't know. They beat. I think they beat. Did they beat Tulane. I don't know who they beat. I think they beat uh, – I know they beat 2 I mean, but- like It's not like
2: ranked games mean anything right now, but it's yeah. just you look at some of the teams at the bottom half of the top 25 and it's just like, you know, they don't really deserve to be ranked right now.
1: But we're still saying that Boise State is the best group of five team right now. I mean, if Boise State
2: and Memphis played, that would actually be a really good game. I would really like to see that game. But it's just, you know, Boise State has such a track record. Like, you know, yeah. it's just hard to go against them.
1: Yeah. Um, I
2: am excited for the – foreseeable future for Memphis. Did y'all
1: get to see the Thursday night game?
2: I did. Um, I believe Jibby was working, but I did get to watch a decent amount of that game, especially the second half. Um, I think I started watching like right at the end of the first half when Navy missed that field goal. Um, definitely, um, definitely not very much fun when your team is going against a triple option. It's very frustrating. Um, very frustrating to watch. Um, but luckily, Memphis was able to uh, get some offense in the second half stops, and uh, they were able to pull out the win uh, for um, City of Memphis. I was going to make a like a Juicy J reference right there, but I decided not to at the last second.
1: That's that's quite all right. Um, I'm not going to keep going on and on about Memphis because I could for a while here, but I, I want to keep this to a minimum here for for everyone else's sake. Um, but yeah, Memphis is good. Did y'all hear? Um, we'll close this up in a few minutes here. Did y'all hear that UCF scheduled a home and home with I think Boise State.
2: Irrelevant.
3: Don't care.
2: It's only UCF. Yeah, they shouldn't be wasting their out of conference games on non Power Five teams. To me, like if you want, if you're serious about like wanting to be in the playoffs, then you need all at least three of your four non conference games to be Power Five teams.
1: So that's interesting because I actually think the other way for this because um, I understand what you're saying that they should be scheduling like a top twenty-five power five team, but it is it is tough. They can do the two for one, which that's one way to get it. Um, but uh, if they play a good group of five team like Boise State, does that move the needle enough for them to move into like the top ten uh, earlier than they are right now? So like um, if like UCF's had a schedule of playing. Uh, Boise State, At State, and Memphis or something something like that, would that move the needle enough to get them in the playoff consideration?
2: No, not at all. You're going to have to – I mean, not only would you have to play a power five team, you have to play, like, a pretty decent one. Like, I mean, you're going to need – like, I think you're going to need at least, like, two top 25 caliber wins, and you're going to need one of those two to be, um, like, a kind of like a top 10 type team. You know what I mean? So, not only are you going to need to play, like, good – you know, group of five teams. Um, you know, you're going to need some some teams in your commerce to be good um, to kind of boost you up a little bit. But you're really going to need like some signature wins over some highly ranked teams if you're in the playoff and You know, when you've already got was it like eight or nine conference games? I'm not sure how many American does. Um, that's already that many games against non-group of five teams. So um, if you want to make it to the playoff, you're going to need to play a group of five teams and not and good ones too. So. Uh, you're going to need to play teams, you know, because the teams for the playoff spots are playing teams that are, you know, all throughout the top 25. So, um, you know, you're really just going to need those signature wins if you want people to take you seriously.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that's. And know, way, be,
2: I mean, yeah. Boise State would be a signature win, but, you know, only if Boise State is like 11 and 1, and, you know, they well,
1: have. That's, a- that's what I'm arguing. Like, then, like,
2: you, know, like you, would need, you would need Boise State to to win the rest of their games. And you'd probably need them to be someone, you know, you probably need them to be like Utah or Oregon or whoever they play that year. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you need those teams on your schedule to play well um, out of schedule. And the, the, you know, and it's, if your best win is against a non group of five team, then like, no one's going to take you seriously. Like you're going to need to be someone who's nationally relevant. You know what I mean? You're going to need to be someone like a top 10 type team. If you want to be in the playoff and, Boise State's not going to be that.
1: That being said, if for w- whatever miracle a group of five team did get in the playoff, would you root for them? If, I guess if it wasn't UCF because everybody hates UCF. If Boise State got in the playoff, would you root for them against Alabama, whoever, Clemson, Ohio State, or anyone? I mean, yeah, I would. I mean,
2: I, I would be for them. You know, it's just – you know, my, my argument against it is just that, like, you know, you can't just play – uh non-power five teams all year and then expect to be in the playoff that's just not really uh fair um it's not fair to teams like like it's not fair to i mean like say like um south carolina or like um you know like oklahoma someone like that because if they just dropped down and they decided like oh we're just going to play all group of five teams all year and just go 12 and we don't make the playoff like i mean because they could do that if they wanted to but they're not going to do yeah. that. And it's just not really fair that they have to play, like, some legit teams who are, like, nationally. And then, you know, a school like UCF just decides that they're going to, you know, I mean, I know it's, I know they want to be in, in a Power 5 conference, and I understand that. But, you know, you can't just, like, play no one all year and then, like, bitch when you're like are left out of the playoff.
1: All right, cool. So Memphis is going to play
2: Alabama in the playoff this year. I got you. But at that point, we can root for them. Any
1: other parting words before we hang up on this podcast and wait for the uh, week preview? No, I'm ready to jump on this poll. All right. Thanks everyone for listening so far. We will do the preview podcast in a couple of days until next time. We'll talk to you later.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.